0: Welcome to Commerce Growth Lab, the community for commerce strategies and tactics. I'm your host, Franco Variano. This season, the podcast focuses on speaking with some of the most interesting and successful trendsetters, entrepreneurs, and leaders in commerce. Together, we'll dive into their unique stories, experience their highs and lows, and gain from their insights and experiences as they continue to
1: shape this industry. That's the whole goal at the end of the day. It's really about shaping an experience so um, it is more focused towards the customer, so things can be easier, the whole relationship between the website, the brand, and the customer can can be facilitated. Today,
0: we're chatting with Raphael Paulain the CEO and founder of Splitbase, a luxury retail consultancy specifically focused on conversion rate optimization. Raphael and his team have worked with some of the biggest brands in retail, including L'Oreal, Frank & Oak, and many more. Raphael joins us to share his story, how he got into commerce, what motivated him to launch Splitbase, why conversion rate optimization is important, common mistakes retail brands of all sizes make, and how to avoid them, and much more. So let's get started. Hey Raphael, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Hey Franco, thanks for
0: the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to have you on and to get to learn you know, more about you and your story. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study?
1: Yeah, so I'm Raphael. I run an agency called Splitbase and we help luxury and fashion e-commerce companies increase their website profits and conversions. I'm Canadian. I'm a Canadian. I was born... And lived most of my life in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, way on the east coast. Grew up among long lobsters and seafood. <laughs> um, and eventually, I moved to Montreal, where I live now. This is where I live. This is where I work. This is what I. This is where I really enjoy living. And in terms of studying, you know, uh, the answer is I did not study after high school. I went straight to building businesses. In fact, I I already had a business at the time. And uh, I just kept going. And uh, here we are now.
0: Absolutely. It's really cool. So where did your passion for business and e-commerce come from then?
1: You know, I think I've always been someone very creative. That creative side of me, like I've done some acting, I've done lots of theater. Uh, I used to be a magician. And to me, I needed to have that, to be able to kind of leverage that creativity in some sort of big way um, and really leveraged that as much as I could. And I've always had a problem with authority at the same time, and I've always wanted to do things uh, you know, on my own terms. You know, I think that's where, over the years, I tried a lot of things, hence what I said I used to be a magician back in middle school and high school. And over the years, I realized that entrepreneurship for me and technology, and especially marketing, kind of combined all of that together, right? Um, And especially when we look now at e-commerce and fashion and luxury, it's an industry that's very high in terms of emotions and in terms of creatives. Um, So that really appeals to my creative side. Um, The e-commerce stuff is just, there's so much possibilities. Um, All the growth aspect to it just keeps me pumped and motivated. And then I guess the agency part, I just love working with people and, and making things happen. That's really cool. And so speaking of some of those elements that you just brought up
0: and you mentioned SplitBase before, can you start off by telling us a little bit more about what SplitBase is all about and what motivated you to start it?
1: I got into conversion
0: optimization
1: around six years ago or so. I had, at the time, my first startup. I knew absolutely nothing about it, about running a startup, no idea what I was doing. And it was kind of like a marketplace for marketing consultants, where they could connect with uh, experts to review their marketing material. And that's kind of what got me to conversion optimization because I realized at the time for that company, you know, I was also trying to optimize my own website. I had a traffic problem. That was the real problem with that company. Also never validated it. Um, I just had no idea what I was doing. But I just focused and just was obsessed with increasing conversions. Conversion optimization and testing, and, and so on. So, that kind of like that was like what got me into it, I think. And then over the years, you know, I did a lot of freelancing, and that kind of jumped at one point into launching Splitbase, the agency. So, in between that and the first company, of course, I've had other many other companies, but then with Splitbase, um, I realized if I really wanted to do conversion optimization at the level we do it today, I needed a team. You can't be one person doing conversion optimization for for a large brand, there are just so many skills involved. And split-based to me was my way of like being, all right, well, this is the next level. So that's that's how a split-based happened. And one of the things that I realized, you know, while I was building split-based, I mean, I'm still building it, but um, it's really that obsession for that. I think that creative aspect that I was telling you about earlier, um, I just really wanted to create new frameworks, looking at areas that were kind of left aside. So like the luxury market, wasn't really being looked at by the conversion optimization space. You know, I'm still a big opportunity there. So that's kind of how we jumped into luxury and fashion. And eventually, so we created our own frameworks and our own strategies specifically made for luxury brands. Some people say we're a research firm. We do lots of research, you know, trying to understand customers' emotions, motivations, and, and triggers that makes them buy certain things. So we, we help brands discover that and then, you know, use all that data to really increase their website conversions.
0: That's really interesting. And maybe just diving in a bit more there, how exactly did you get into the luxury retail space? You mentioned you saw a lot of opportunity there, but what initially attracted you to the industry?
1: So that is something I'm not 100% sure. One thing that I do know is I remember when I was a kid, I was creating marketing plans just for fun. Like if I was bored at home, you know, instead of doing my homework, I would sit at the computer and I would just like create marketing plans for Fictional businesses. And for some reason, I remember all those marketing plans or all those businesses were geared towards luxury and fashion. Well, mostly luxury and just experiences, right? So, luxury travel, luxury fashion, luxury retail, and everything. And, you know, I don't come from a family where, like, we consume luxury goods at all, you know? So, I think it was mostly because I understood that the luxury space their goal and what they need to do is to convey emotions. They need to create an experience for the customer more than, you know, something you'd buy at Target where it's more price-driven. And I think when I look at what I've done before, you know, when I was a magician, for example, what I wanted to do and what I was aiming to achieve was to create an experience for my audience, right? Make them feel a certain way. Make them see the impossible actually happen. So I think that desire to evoke and create emotions in an audience, just that that concept, I found it fascinating. And when, you know, as I was growing up, what I realized is that in business, one of the industries that used those feelings, the emotions, and that really aims at understanding the audience, I mean, it's a luxury space. It's not about price. I've never been attracted to bargaining price. I've always been interesting in understanding why do people buy something that's a luxury good, right? Whether it's a five-star hotel or, or, or an expensive bag, what are those things? And luxury brands utilizes lots of experiential marketing and video. And uh, I think, you know, it just really appealed to my creative side. That kind of got me hooked. You know, obviously, as I grew split based and we wanted to niche down and niche down, we realized at one point that when we focused on e-commerce only at some point, And all of our clients were higher end clients. They were all selling goods that were more expensive and that had a a more emotionally based value proposition than just like a fidget spinner company where it's very price based and just basic commodity. So when we looked at our client base, it just made sense like, okay, well, I've always been attracted by the luxury space. There's a lot to do in that space. There's no one. in the whole conversion optimization world that specializes in luxury and that's it and all of our clients are also in that space so that's uh that's how i kind of decided to dive into it and it was uh, it was a good move
0: it's very cool and i want to explore more aspects of that answer but before we get too far chatting a bit more about niching down and niching down as you put it i feel like when people start companies or agencies the natural tendency is to try and serve everyone So why did you decide to really niche down besides the fact that you had a few customers in that industry? And what's it like doing conversion rate optimization in that type of space?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, to answer why were we niche down, uh, well, I have to say first, you know, niching down is always scary. It's a scary thing because every time you do it, you think that you're closing doors. And what we've seen, you know, after two years of niching down is that we've only opened doors more than closing them when I started the agency I was like well look it's going to be easier if we market to one specific customer because that means marketing wise you know we know what language you talk we know um, the problems that they have right so we looked at SAS and e-commerce and at first I didn't see a lot of people doing SAS conversion optimization so we went towards SAS optimization and as we niched down you know we started understanding the customer's problems you know, what What are the biggest problems that SaaS marketers and SaaS founders experience in their companies and how we can help them, right? So then we knew exactly in terms of creating content or video or things we would share, we knew what would be relevant to that specific audience. So it was all about relevancy. And at one point, however, we realized something quite important is that SaaS companies don't care that much about conversions. Most of them are, you know, VC funded, the ones that would actually qualify for our services, right, To be VC funded. So conversions wouldn't necessarily be the number one priority, and then number two, if something like that, and on the marketing side, churn would be a, a bigger priority for them than conversion optimization. And that they didn't really want to start doing churn optimization because it's super related to the product and, and so on. So. Eventually, you know, my passion was still in e-commerce and I still, I always obsessed about e-commerce and I caught myself at one point saying, after this agency, I'm going to launch an agency for high-end e-commerce companies. And I remember saying that when I was doing SaaS. And then a friend of mine told me, well, why don't you do it? What's stopping you from doing it right now? And I realized that, huh, true. I actually don't enjoy SaaS optimization that much. So we went towards e-commerce and you know, to make a long story short, at the end of the day, we I started looking at e-commerce and, and we had plenty of customers, and it kind of circles back to the story I was just telling you. Where we realized that most of our customers were higher-end companies. And if we'd niche down in a space where there are not a lot of competitors and not a lot of people talking about it, it would be easier for us as well to start creating content. So in terms of, you know, if I wanna have speaking gigs, for example, you know, well then no one talks about conversion optimization for luxury brands. And when it comes to blogging, well, nobody blogs about conversion optimization for luxury brands. And one key thing that I noticed when we started niching down in luxury is that commodity goods or or, or low-end to mid-tier items are being sold in a very, very, very different manner than luxury goods. And when we look at history of how luxury goods have been sold, every time that a company tried to apply A marketing strategy that worked for a mid tier brand to a luxury brand, it failed. It failed completely. And even when it comes to management, managing uh, a low end or a mid tier brand, the same strategies just don't apply to luxury. It's a whole different set of concepts. So that's when it hit me, and I was like, well, why is everyone trying to increase website conversions for luxury brands the same way they would? any other type of brand. It just doesn't make sense. And history proved it many times when it comes to management strategies, marketing strategies, sales strategies, pricing strategies, it's just not the same. So that kind of opened the doors for me. And uh, at the end of the day, niching down was hugely beneficial and great way to create authority, great way to be in a space that, in, in a position, I guess, to help companies that can't really get the help through you know, just regular optimization.
0: Absolutely. That's really interesting. So you spoke a bit about how you can't leverage the same strategies for luxury brands. So what's it like working with brands that have this kind of scale? What are some of the types of challenges that you both have to overcome?
1: Yeah, so for us, I mean, we we follow a process. We created a high-end conversion engine. Um, people can find it uh, on our blog, so I'm guessing you can link it somewhere. So for us, our optimization process is very similar. And now working with these companies... When it comes to conversion optimization, most of them aren't too familiar with it. They're familiar with, okay, you know, they kind of know what's A-B testing. Um, They maybe they've tried it, but they haven't really seen any results. They've tried conversion optimization. And and for them, most of the time, conversion optimization means A-B testing, which a-B testing is really only a part of conversion optimization. But, you know, it depends really what the brand, right? Some of the bigger, um, more corporate brands, it's gonna be a little slower, right? Which is totally normal, There, there's more people involved, it's a corporation, there's a brand to maintain. A lot of our clients are actually smaller, more agile brands. The so less known, small teams, very fast growing brands, and um, I would say, you know, working with them is is very simple. You know, we're like pretty much part of their team. And it's really about once we start doing the research process that we do to really understand their audience and their product and where money's leaking on their website, usually that's when they click and they click and they realize, ah, that's what conversion optimization is, right? For them, conversion optimization was like looking at blog posts, looking at, you know, 1,000 things to test that will improve your conversions. Or just looking at, you know, their coworkers' opinions and then brainstorming on what they could do to possibly test and increase conversions. But what they realize, you know, when we start working with them, it's it's not about what you test necessarily. It's about, well, not about what you test, but it's about really understanding what needs to be tested. It's not about just testing for the sake of testing and maybe being lucky. It's about really diving deep into your data, your analytics, understanding what are the psychological triggers that make people buy, the objections, the doubts that people have when they're on the website, right? And from there. You can launch A/B test that will have an impact. So if they understand that, you know, it's quite. I mean, I don't want to say it's quite simple because it's really not. <laughs> it's quite a. It's quite a long process. But you know, uh, it, yeah, I think it just makes more sense, and and everybody understands conversion optimization more once they they understand that need for data.
0: That's very cool. So obviously, it's a fairly involved process. But at a high level, can you walk us through some of the pieces of your process? What are some of the strategies that other merchants or retailers can draw
1: from it yeah for sure so if we look at like the big overview of our process um, we actually created one called the testing trifecta the testing trifecta is like a three circle Venn diagram where the top bubble is testing and the two bubbles at the base the two circles at the base one is quantitative and one is qualitative if people listening to this can draw that it'll probably help you understand now, here's what we begin with. We begin with the base, right? So quantitative and qualitative needs to be there in order to support testing. So we begin with the research. And what it looks like is we begin with the quantitative side, which means a dive deep into the analytics, right? So first things first, most companies we've seen, Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a Google Analytics setup or just an analytics setup that was properly configured based on the company's goals and what actually needed to be tracked. So we'll look at that and we'll look at the data integrity. Can we trust that data? So that's like step one. We'll also, based on our experience and based on proven studies that we have, we'll do just a non-biased first look at the website, and we're going to look at oh, what's working on the website, you know, are every Button working like they should, and, and that's just our first hypothesis. Without even looking at the data first, it's really about applying some of the proven principles, which we may completely invalidate with the data after, right? I mean, no decisions should actually be made with this uh, first heuristic analysis. But we begin by looking at that, and it starts to giving it, it, it's giving us clues at this point of like what could go wrong, what are the areas of opportunities, and that's when we dive into the analytics. You know, and that we spend the whole month, almost every day, when we're in the analytics, creating segments, trying to understand the, the patterns and the behaviors that visitors do when they're on the website and what takes them to a path of purchase. So it's really about understanding all these things and really understanding the customer and what's happening on the website. Once we understand that a little better, we dive into the qualitative, which means we're going to do lots of user testing. We're going to look at session recordings, which means looking at how people use the website. We're going to watch hundreds of them. We're going to send customer surveys so surveys to existing customers, but we're also going to do surveys and polls to people that aren't yet customers. And that's really to understand what are their perceived outcomes of buying the product, how they think about this. Um, and that's where, like, we can discover subtleties about what's going on in their mind when they're checking out, before checking out and after buying. And finally, at the end of all that, I mean, there are still more more methods that, you know, we use there the process, some that applies to some companies, some that don't. And then when we combine all that data together, that's when we can start seeing gaps. Right. So the problem is a lot of companies are going to look at the quantitative part only. That's most e-commerce companies, most companies in general and they're gonna wanna test based on seeing that one of their landing pages is not converting well. The problem is that if you just look at the quantitative, you only know what's not working, right? So you'll know your landing page is not converting, but that doesn't tell you why. So launching a test out of that is just gonna be a guess. From the quantitative, we know what's not working, and then we use the qualitative to understand why that specific element such as that landing page, is not converting. So when we know what's not working and why it's not working, we can create a hypothesis to validate or invalidate through A-B testing. And that's a process, right? And then it's a circle. It's a cycle of testing. And now if the test doesn't win, what did we learn from that test? And how can we apply it to either some secret test? And what do we learn about the user behaviors at that moment? So it's a cycle of experimentation, of learning, and, and always researching.
0: That's really interesting. And so building off what you just mentioned and drawing from your background in SaaS, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the e-commerce industry since you've started, either in terms of the importance of CRO or how teams are operating?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things, and it's also one of the reasons why we created our high-end conversion engine for luxury brands, is that a lot of, if we look at like two, three years ago, if you'd go on the website of luxury brands, um, a lot of them would just not even sell online at that point because they would believe they would have that belief that, um, and I mean, there are still a lot of big luxury brands that don't sell online and at a specific price point, you know, it, it kind of makes sense, but most brands, a, a lot of them would not sell online. You know, if we look at like five years ago or even some, you know, two or three years ago. And that was because they had this belief that for it to be luxury it needed to be hard to access. But then we saw other players jump in, right? So like Net-A-Porter and Mr. Porter, Farfetch, where they would sell those same luxury goods online. So then those brands started noticing that their margins and their market was be, basically being eaten up by their partners. So that's when they started jumping online. And what we saw when those brands first started jumping online is that they would prioritize the experience over the usability. What that means is that they wanted to create that brand experience that they would offer in store or in their marketing materials, and they would have you know heavy websites that were basically unusable, full of videos, huge pictures that would increase site load times, make it hard to navigate. And I would say over the past year or so, um, we've seen lots of changes where some players are, are really killing it at usability. When we look at, you know, Burberry was one of the pioneers of, you know, having a great Mobile and desktop um, e-commerce shopping experience, and they've always they've kept innovating on that, and the usability is remarkable. Same thing with Gucci right now, who's also one of the most powerful luxury brands in the world at the moment. Their profit just keeps increasing every quarter, and this is heavily due to their understanding of the digital landscape as well. They're able to communicate their brand in a way that it doesn't dilute it, but they've prioritized usability. So, you know, people can check out easily and and the whole experience becomes a better experience for the customer because it's just frictionless. And I know, you know, some of these brands like Gucci is running optimizely and they're always testing. So I think that awareness for usability is starting to be um, more and more present amongst those brands. And obviously that leads to a bigger awareness for conversion optimization and testing as well.
0: That's very cool. And so on that note, what are some of the biggest mistakes you still see with regards to CRO that e-commerce entrepreneurs or organizations are making? I know earlier you mentioned Google Analytics, but is there anything else?
1: I would say the most common, number one, um, I've said it a few times, but it's really testing without really having the qualitative and quantitative data to support it. Too many companies are A-B testing for the sake of A-B testing. They just know that they should be A-B testing. It sounds good if they tell people and their bosses that they're A-B testing and at the end of the day, maybe they just shouldn't. If you can't A-B test properly, if you don't really understand the math behind it and why a test shouldn't run for two days only, but probably for at least three weeks and, and how to come up with good testing ideas, then you're probably just likely wasting your time testing. That is completely useless. And they'll end up making decisions based on tests that are not even valid mathematically speaking. They might see, oh, these changes on this product page increase conversions by 25%. It's great. They're going to implement it. But because the test will have been improperly executed, they'll implement and they might see conversions go down 25% instead of going up, right? And I've seen it happen. It happens all the time. So I think if brands want to A-B test, they really need to have a team that understands it or, you know, they can always call us. (laughs) That's why we do what we do. But it's really important that, yeah, if they're A-B testing, they need to understand how it works. And if they want to do conversion optimization, no, it's not just about A-B testing. It's, first of all, understanding your customer and understanding how you can learn more about that same customer so you can become uh, more customer-centric. That's the whole goal at the end of the day. It's really about shaping an experience so um, it is more focused towards the customer so things can be easier, the whole relationship between the website, the brand, and the customer can can be facilitated. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That makes a ton of sense. So since you've been working at this for a while, what's next for you and Splitbase over the coming months?
1: Uh, you know, we're going to keep growing. We've introduced, you know, this year, a lot of new frameworks. We're not, you know, we're not huge on content marketing, but when we post, they're usually very big, the last few ones were like over 10,000 words and they're just very, very detailed. And now that we've kind of set the tone and set our stage in the luxury space, we're definitely going to start creating more content. Also coming up, I'm going to be speaking a little more over the coming year on the topic. It'll be more visible, more present. And, you know, our goal is really to help those e-commerce companies grow. So. The more we can refine our own processes, the more we can help those brands grow, you know, that's the goal. A lot of our success metrics, the success metrics we look at aren't just our own, but it's also the success metrics of the companies we help. And if they're not growing, that means we're not doing our job. So, you know, it's always about improving and, and learning more about the industry and and how customer behaviors relate with our strategies. So we can help our clients and other companies that just want to listen to us grow as much as we can.
0: That's awesome. Really looking forward to following along over the coming months. So beyond the content on your blog, are there any other resources that you'd recommend to others who are just getting started in e-commerce or who are on a marketing team for a luxury brand looking to do more?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the, one of the first things, a few of the skills that I would recommend to, to, to work on is analytics. What I'm seeing when uh, I, I talk to companies is that people understand how to use Google Analytics and those other tools, but they don't really understand how to interpret that data and truly understand it. And I think, you know, more and more um, people realize that it's important. And that's also what's going to guide all the other steps when it comes to conversion optimization. So Avinash Kaushik, great resource, Rita's Materials, I would say, you know, the CXL Institute is also a great place for conversion optimization and other things related to conversion optimization for digital marketers. I mean, there are just so many, it really depends, you know, in what area people want to specialize in. But there's also, I mean, in the e-commerce space as well, you know, people that want to grow their e-commerce companies, um, Drew Sinoki, who kind of saved Karma Loops from Bankruptcy also has fantastic content. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, those are a few that that comes to mind. When it comes to analytics, Simo Hava, super, super detailed, crazy advanced, but super interesting content on analytics. Those are the ones that comes to mind, really.
0: Wow, that sounds like a bunch of great resources, and we'll definitely link to them so others can check them out. So we've talked about a bunch of different things throughout the course of the episode, but do you have any final thoughts or words of advice to leave us with?
1: I'm going to say it again, you know, I think the first step towards understanding your customer, because I've mentioned that so often over this conversation, is call your customers. Don't try to get lost into how to talk to your customers or the exact questions to ask on a survey. I mean, we, we did write a massive post about it in our blog um, that makes it very simple. But, you know, something as simple as just scheduling in your calendar at least once a week, you know, something that my friend Dan Martell calls smile and dial. Just pick up the phone, look at your order list over the past, like, three months and call people. Talk with your customers and just be curious. Have a conversation as if you're friends, you know, and, and ask them about their experience and things like that. And that alone, it's truly, I mean, I don't want to say life-changing, but it, it kind of is. I mean, you look at companies that do that versus companies that don't do that, and the way they do marketing, the way they address customer issues, the way they, they do everything is different. Because instead of looking at their own numbers and just looking at numbers, they see their audience as real people with real wants, real needs, real emotions. Piece of advice, pick up the phone, call up your customers and talk to them. Absolutely.
0: That's some invaluable advice. And I couldn't think of a better way to end the episode.
1: Raphael, thanks so much for taking
0: the time to chat with us today. It was awesome to have you on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much.
1: Really enjoyed uh, sharing uh, all, all of this.
0: Thanks for listening. Commerce Growth Lab is recorded and produced by me. There's no massive team behind it, and so I'd love your help in growing the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and everything commerce-related by visiting our site at www.commercegrowthlab.com. Follow us on Twitter at Com Growth Lab, that's com with two Ms, or join the community on Facebook at Commerce Growth Lab. We couldn't do this show without your awesome support, so thanks for listening.